Good morning, everyone. So glad you found us on The Map, the Mental Health and Addiction Podcast. I'm Kimberly Walsh. I'm here with my compadres, the awesome Andy Panda Bernstein. <laughs> whoop, whoop. And the fantastic Thank <laughs> Chris you. Perry Long. And of course, Michael Weber at the studio making it all happen. On the yeah. wheels of steel. On the wheels of steel. There he goes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so before we meet our guest yeah. today, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about who we are. Chris Long has been in the industry for many years, dedicating herself to working with families and helping people get into treatment. Uh, Andy has been an advocate for mental health and addiction, both as the producer of Crosscheck Radio, as well as through his own experiences. As for me, I have an extensive background in recovery and am the founder of Brady's Landing, which is a sober home for women. Hey, we put this podcast together because all three of us are passionate about reducing the stigma around mental health and addiction. We believe that the more light we shed on these topics, the less people will stigmatize and punish those who suffer from mental illness and addiction, which will then help encourage them to seek treatment. So uh, during the podcast, please post your questions. We will answer them during the show. Remember to tag friends and share this link with people who might benefit from the information we're providing. And finally, all of our episodes are now available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So you can watch us live and you can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube. Okay, guys, that's the intro. So let's check in. We'll start with uh, with Panda, since Chris is feverishly sharing. She's very, very, very busy. Very, good. Um, very, very, very busy. I'm okay. A little stressed. A little, I'm not going to lie. A little stressed. But I'm going to get through it. I'm good. What, what's stressing you, my friend? Well, so my doggie went into the uh, hospital yesterday. Um, she had a little injury. And uh, eh, the news, I got to stay away from the news. Yep. News is no bueno. No, no, no bueno. No bueno. No. So, um, you know, but I'm trying to, uh, I'm just kind of over it all. <laughs> yeah, tell me. You know. But- Right. Yeah. No, that's life. Life. It's it's not that you fall down, it's how you get up, right? That's it. That's it. And like Rocky says, it's not how hard you get hit, but how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. <laughs> good old Rocky. Good old yeah, Rocky. that's right. So that's no, I'm good. Good, good. All right. What do you think, Chris? How are we? How are you? Um, I'm all right. Uh, you know, like Andy said, you got to stay away from the news. Last night, like I hadn't been watching the news um, at all. And I've been actually really busy, something new. Um, so I've been making a point not to watch the news. And then last night I was watching the riots in Brockton. And my daughter, who lives in California, um, is very into this, you know, um, Black Lives Matters. And I think it's great. You know, I, I, at 25, 24, you know, she's very in tune to uh, what's going on in the world and, and all of that. And having been the younger sister of somebody, um, you know, going through watching her siblings uh, go through addiction and all the trials and tribulations, I think she's a little more sensitive to uh, events that are going on in the world. And she actually brought light to something like, I didn't know that there was like a list of businesses owned by black people. Um, and so last night for dinner, she was going to a restaurant that was owned and run by black people. I, I had no idea like that people like, I guess I just 
took it for granted. And it, it kind of made me think about like, she's 24 and she's thinking that deep with her friends into, you know, lives. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the world's just a big mess and, and everything was COVID. Like we breathed COVID. And we flipped it on us. We flipped it on us. And now we don't hear anything about COVID. Nothing. (laughs) Yesterday's news. Yesterday's news. That's old stuff. That's the media. That's the media for you. Yeah. I posted posted yesterday, the day before. I'm like, wouldn't it be nice if the news started out with all the good things that happened in the world? Doesn't sound. No. And the comments comments were like, nobody would watch it. How sad is that? People thrive on fear somehow. I don't, I think they're, it's, it's what we've fed for so long that we get used to it and we kind of, Ooh, we want that gossip. We want that. What's going on? Why is it bad? Oh my God, I'm scared. I don't know. It draws ratings. It draws ratings. And I'll tell you, I remember, I remember working when I worked in television and I worked for one of the uh, CBS stations and they would have, when they knew there was snow coming, they were so excited because they could blow up network programming. So they could blow up soap operas. They could blow up stuff the network had so they can come up with their own snow show, you know, for local programming. And then that would be great for them because they could generate all the news revenue that came in, went directly to them, not to, you know, they didn't have to take network, you know, they got yeah. to control all the money, not waiting for the network. You know, it was the network's money that was running during the day. But when they could get rid of the programming and go to CBS and said, hey, we got a big snowstorm coming. We want to do local coverage. They made a lot of money and they, they scare you. That's what they yeah. do. I know. So you get, you get lost in the storm. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like watching a train wreck and everybody, you know, it's like, don't you think? I mean, Yeah. I remember growing up because I grew up on Nantucket and if a storm was coming, like everybody, there's only two grocery stores on the Island and everybody would flock to the grocery stores and literally like there's no milk and there's no bread. And that was real. Like we never got snow though, because we were an Island surrounded by saltwater ocean and we never, I mean, we did get snow, but never to the point, you know what I mean? It was just, it's, it's fear driven. It is fear fear driven. Totally. And you know, it's funny. I I read an article today. So my father-in-law, quick story. My father-in-law has been in the ski and bike business for 50 years. He's 92 years old. He still works like seven days a week. The bike business was dead, dead. Now he sold out all his bikes. Matter of fact, CNN just wrote an article um, that it's the new toilet paper buying bi- bikes are the new toilet paper. Like it's a have to have type of thing. So it only takes a pandemic for my, for my father-in-law to get the business that he's always wanted to have. So yeah, that he's, how old? 92. Yeah. He's a millionaire now and you know, he's never going to be able to enjoy it. I know, but he, he loves it. It's his whole, you know, his whole thing, but it was like, hysterical that he got rid of all his bikes because there's some days he wouldn't even have a customer in the store. Sure, and sure. and now, so the panic of everything, right, you right. know, so anyway, speaking Sweet. of seeing what's up, how are you by the way? Um, really good. Really good. Um, 
actually, I was listening to uh, a podcast uh, this morning on how to um, handle it when when people have spoken out against you or when someone comes at you angrily or it was this great podcast. And uh, it said we, we our natural instinct is to fight back because we want to protect ourselves but um, or become the victim. You do one of the two things. Mm-hmm. I don't believe what they said about me. Um, what you could, but the best way to handle that is uh, honesty and to tell them exactly how what they said hurt your feelings and how right. it affected you. And then that's it. Keep it about you and it has nothing to do with them because obviously they have the issue. And it's it's kind of just a matter of fact, you know. Which I thought was really interesting. I like that. Um, I like that saying, was- "Keep your name out, mom. Keep your name, my name, out of your mouth." <laughs> Not my monkey, not my zoo. (laughs) Yeah, keep keep my name out your mouth. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's cool. So you're hanging. Yeah. So yeah, I'm doing good. Um, That's good. So we've you had an article for us, didn't you? I did. You know, we always talk about the. Everybody knows there's a mental health crisis. It's no secret. And you know, trying to work in the solution, I came across something that I thought would be kind of cool. And Chris is going to tell talk to us but the title is called (laughs) boost your mental health during stressful times it was in yesterday's cnn.com website and it was by sandy lamott so chris tell us about some some things in that article (laughs) look at her face want us to paraphrase for you (laughs) i might not have looked at that article yet okay Okay. and you want to you want you and i to go through it sure okay sure Chris, Chris is uh, calling Chris. She wasn't uh, ready. Okay. Uh, That's all right. Um, One is get enough exercise. And it says, you know, if you had to choose one thing to Mm -hmm. do better, your mental health Mm -hmm. and physical health, choose to exercise on a regular basis. So um, they're saying that, um, you know, it comes from the best results come from rhythmic exercises which get your blood pumping in a major muscle group. And that includes running, swimming, cycling, and walking. So that's one of the things they're saying, uh, you know, a brisk walk or a jog. Um, they're also talking about better sleep, um, developing a sleep routine, um, avoiding certain foods and drink and, uh, caffeine. and um, caffeine and alcohol. How about that? Use? Yeah. How about that? How do you use Andy to fall asleep? Do you use any of these, uh, Tips they're saying? No. No. <laughs> no. You just hit the pillow and you're out. One of the lucky Absolutely ones. not. No. Last night I was watching the Steelers Rams 1980 Super Bowl. <laughs> Who won? To- wow. <laughs> the Steelers <laughs> won. The Steelers won. Um, but uh, you know, um, I work at it. You know, I'm working at it. Um, you know, we bought a new mattress, trying to do some stuff. But uh, yeah, so I'm trying to calm my mind a little bit. There you go. There you go. Plus, it says strive for cooler temperatures um, Mm -hmm. and keep yourself in the dark like Chris is right now. Um, (laughs) They also suggest deep breathing. That's hard. Do you know how hard it is to take a deep breath when anxiety, when you can feel the anxiety? So the other night, I couldn't sleep. So I put my calm thing on my phone and I had my headphones in and the lady's going, now take a deep breath. Breathe in. Hold for five, four, and I'm like, who's talking to me? Was she British? No, but it was just like monotone. I mean, it was very relaxing, 
But then she's like, all right, breathe out. And, and like, we're going to do this five times. I tried, but I'm like, <sighs> and my anxiety was still going, boom, 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 boom. It's, it's shutting your mind off is so yeah. hard. Right. Yeah, right. They, you know, they have an app that's, that actually reads you a story, <laughs> like a bedtime story. I like that. Yeah, it was fun. What were some of the other things in the article? Oh, um, to avoid caffeine, uh, meditation and music, right? Yeah. Um, and to schedule, get on a routine. Like, I'm going to go to bed at this time. I'm going to wake up at this time. And then so your body gets used to that, um, that, that cycle. And they also talked about... Oh, talk about yoga. Get taken up yoga, right? Yep. Yep. Yoga is always a good thing. I liked yoga. I actually did yoga for a while. It, it was fun. good. I did it with a bunch of women. I did. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. Loved yeah. it. And you my wife. It. Yeah. There you go. It releases endorphins. And just like exercise, it, um, the endorphins are like a natural high as opposed to a chemical high. So people coming off um, substances or alcohol, they say it's so important to do some sort of physical exercise and including yoga, which is more relaxing. But it still gives you that benefit. Still gives you the benefit. So anyway, check the article out. It's uh, without reading too much into, you know, on it. Mike posted it on, uh, just showed it on the site and we'll, um, or on the screen and we'll uh, post it on our Facebook page as well. And, uh, you know, we'll try to keep those coming because, you know, we want to obviously work in the solution and not the problem. Right? Ding, ding. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's meet our guest. We have a good guest today. Love let's her. meet Spunky. Vivacious one. Um, let's welcome, um, she's one of the silliest person, persons, one of the silliest people I know, um, but is also incredibly remarkable. We, uh, she's my friend. We did, um, we worked together for over two years doing our cross-check show, and she is a treatment representative for Delphi Behavioral Health Group. She is a person in long-term recovery and has been in the Field of addiction treatment for over 10 years. Let's welcome the great, the one, the only Alyssa Horton. How are you, friend? Unmute. Unmute. There we go. There Hi. she is. Good. <laughs> What's going on? Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. I know. Silly, right? We're looking at each other on a screen. I know. But it's all good. So what's going on? How you been doing with the uh, the COVID? By the way, you know everybody, right? Yes. Hey, Chris, thank you. <laughs> okay. Hi, guys. Hi. Um, you know, adapting as best I can. Uh, not much I can do. You know, as I told you, our wedding was rescheduled. That happened right in the beginning. And, you know, what can you do? Everyone's safety is more important than the day. So you just got to try and make the best of the situation. That's what we're doing. It's just a name anyway. You're, you know, you've been. It's a name no one's going to be able to pronounce anyway. So I'm okay. Is it? What is it? Badukowitz. No, it isn't. That's made up. Is it? Badukowitz. Wow. The Polish pronunciation is Budikiewicz. I'm going to call you the Ooh. Polish hammer now. Polish. The Polish hammer. All right. So wanted you to come on, tell your story. Um, you have an interesting story. You are a very dedicated professional in the field of addiction, but it didn't happen overnight. You had a lot that got you to this point. So tell us about kind of your, your world. 
Of course. Don't start um, laughing at me. I always, I'm a smiling, laughing person. I, I just, know you are. It's, even in awkward situations, it makes it worse. Um, but yeah, no, so I am a person in long-term recovery. Um, but that means I haven't drank or used drugs since August 4th, 2008. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, coming up on, a, on another number. But, um, you know, I, uh, my story is, is just like the feelings when I was younger were really overwhelming. And at a young age, I found uh, alcohol at first. It, it gave me some relief for the constant um, fear that I was living in. Uh, I grew up in an alcoholic home. I knew the damage it could do, but, uh, you know, it, the intellect of that did not stop me from uh, experimenting myself. And, you know, it just progressively got worse from there. Uh, you know, it was the solution to the problem that I was having at that time, and I couldn't muster any other kind of coping skill. I just, it, it seemed like the only way for me to survive was going to be with substances it you know, graduate, graduated to more substances and much more devastation. You know, I've been forced into treatment since I was 14 years old. Wow. Um, yeah. Mostly by the state. I grew up in New York. Um, in an affluent town, right? You grew up in a, in, in, in a nice suburb, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, my mom was a teacher. Uh, my stepdad owned a company in New York City. Uh, my dad had been in construction, working on major jobs with huge companies for a long time. Uh, you know, I was, my dad did eventually find recovery. My cousin was in recovery since she was 18 years old. I had a lot of positive recovery influences in my life, but um, I just, I just could not see it. It got pretty bad for you too, right? I mean. Mm-hmm. I graduated high school, but that was by the skin of my teeth. Uh, I'd overdosed twice on alcohol. I was in an IOP from 15 to 18. Um, you know, being in New York City and it, it being a playground, it's not really the best of places to be an out of control young adult, uh, especially a female. Uh, so that definitely uh, had made my story a little bit more scary at times. Um, you know, bartended, which is not a good job for a young alcoholic either. <laughs> uh, and that got me into alcoholic or an old alcoholic for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or a wannabe alcoholic. Or a wannabe alcoholic. Right. It's a bad job in general for people like me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that got me into a lot. It introduced me to some more people, uh, other substances, a different lifestyle than I was used to. You know, I grew up in a suburban town um, and was exposed to areas that I was not familiar with. Uh, changed my personality, changed uh, how I carried myself, you know. I was raised to be a respectful young woman, and I just it wasn't at all. I had no respect for myself or anyone around me. So what, when, when, did, when did it all change for you? What was the defining moment? Or how did it change for you? How did it change? <laughs> yeah. um, is it like now? <laughs> so the change, I always like to say it was like the prayers of my family because I really um, did not see recovery as an option. Uh, which I think a lot of people feel like that. It's it's too scary to really approach. Um, it's a drastic change from living the way I was. Uh, so I think that it was the prayers of them. I was homeless. Uh, I was living on a drug dealer's couch. And I walked past a mirror one day and realized this is not who I am. This is not the memories I want to leave my family. They didn't do anything to deserve uh, what I what I had done. 
and, you know, stressing them out every day that their daughter was dead. My mom would constantly remind me she might have to identify my body one day. And it just finally hit me. Like I just had a moment of clarity where I was like, this is not how I want to live. Um, and I came up to Massachusetts, uh, got into a sober house, uh, joined a 12-step fellowship, and just did what people told me to do. Um, and it's been an amazing journey, you know, coming up on 12 years and working in the field since I was just over a year sober has definitely, you know, helped my growth a lot. Uh, it's refocused me. Like I have a purpose every day in my life, something that I never had in the past. You know, I'm able to look in the mirror and not uh, have a poor reflection. I'm happy with the memories. You know, I'm a good daughter today, a good cousin, a good friend, uh, all these things that recovery have given me. Guys, ladies. Yeah, no, I, I can totally relate to your story, obviously, in recovery too. Um, but yeah, I just, I absolutely relate to that. Your, the family, the whole thing coming up, um, you know, getting in the industry early on. Um, it's It's been a, a wild ride, but I absolutely can relate to a lot of the things you said um, in your story. I, instead of bartending, though, I was a cocktail waitress. So, I mean, six to one. <laughs> that much is true. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, like yeah. Uh, the Human League song. I was working as a way. Never mind. <laughs> I do know that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. yeah. So, yeah, that wasn't a good place to be. Not exactly conducive to, you know, recovery and and not drinking. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I understood that part too. But yes, yeah. what are you so, take? So, what would your one line message be to fifteen or sixteen year old girls? Okay, because because we know the treatment options for them are very limited. Um, 15 or 16 years old, and they find themselves, because we know they exist, in the throes of addiction, sleeping on a drug dealer's bed uh, or couch. Um, you know what I mean. What would your message be to help them realize that they do have purpose? Just that they're worth more than the way they're living. It's the only thing I needed to hear is that I was worth more than that. Cause I didn't feel like it. That's what landed me there. It's how I feel. It's just not having that self-worth to really value my life. That's hard message to, to, to convince somebody when they're, you know, they're dark. It is. In, yeah. in, the, in the throes of it. Um, you know, we joke about it. You are silly. <laughs> you, are, you are a silly person, but how does the humor that you, how does humor keep you, um, how does it help your sobriety? Uh, or does it? It does. I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I like to say <laughs> my dad and I had that very much of a connection, you know, when he came sober and I was sober, it was a, a big thing in my life where it was just like, you know, as much as this is a serious life or death situation, if I'm not enjoying it, then it's going to be more difficult to stay doing it. Um, so, you know, I try to make my life as light as possible because any amount of darkness for me is dangerous. And, and being around dark people really is dangerous for you too, right? Yeah. If I'm not, if I'm not full of light, being around darkness can really drag me down. It's, it's interesting what you said, you know, Andy, being around darkness, but in what, what Alyssa and I do in helping people, that's all that we're around is mm-hmm. darkness. And we, so I'm not in recovery, we know that, but we're their light. And so, you know, Alyssa is that 
that light at the end of the tunnel for people. And her lived experiences are something that can pull people out of, you know, out of the darkness and into the light. I think it's a challenge. And she is very funny. She got me into a lot of trouble, trouble, uh, at a, hold on, Alexa off. Um, <laughs> it goes on every now and again, the magic words. Got me into trouble. At, do you remember when you got me, it was a Halloween event. Um, yeah, she got me into trouble. Chris did it. Yep. Blame the old lady. Alexa, off. What? One, one, one of the funniest nights of my life was with Alyssa. Oh, gosh. It was so funny that, and we were all, I mean, stone cold. So, I mean, everybody, mm-hmm. um, but it was a couple, it was me and three girls and a, and a guy who, I don't want to mention <laughs> his name, but we were out to dinner with him. He's like, yeah, yeah. It's all on me. You know, I'm going to eat. He ate, he ate it like he was, he ate like he was on death row and the food came in and it was piled up high. And he's like, I know the people here and blah, blah, blah. Bill comes. Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> and then we all had to pay. Like it was like a $500 bill and we all had, had to pay. And it was like, it was just a cra- very crazy night, but all right. So tell us. <laughs> so tell that was us. So about- random, Andy. <laughs> what was the point? There was nothing. My, funny. My, my point is, is that she was sober and she was having a really good time, and it's and she was very silly that night. And it well, was. He's missing part of the story. Part of the story is we also ended up at a cigar bar in Boston. Oh. And ah. it, it got more and fun, like because. There was like mic checks, like fake mic. A it was fake mic check. Oh, a lot of men. Tons of, tons of, to be there, right? <laughs> yeah, tons of inside jokes. It was just a, one of the funniest, funniest nights. We still joke about it now. Now, okay, so so you are now working in the field. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you've been working in the field, but what are you doing today? And um, you know, tell us about kind of your career path now. Yeah, so I started in the field working directly with patients in a detox facility. I've done admissions, recovery coaching. Um, I built an alumni program for the last uh, facility I worked for. Uh, So all of that's kind of brought me to here where now I'm helping people find treatment um, anywhere, really. Anyone that calls me, uh, it's my passion and my company encourages that I help all people, however I best can. Uh, find their first step into recovery. And then I also do our New England area alumni program because Delphi is a national uh, program. We have facilities here, Maryland, Jersey, Florida, and California. The, the three of you are all very dedicated people. And I know that other people don't necessarily operate like you guys do, ladies do, where, you know, if somebody needs help, you're not necessarily have your own agenda. You know, you try to find really the right fit for people. Would you agree? Would everybody mm-hmm. agree to that? I, you froze. I missed, I said, I missed it. Oh, I said that the three of you working in treatment have been able to, you're very dedicated people. So if somebody actually needs help, you will find them the right place, not necessarily what serves you, 
but right. more of of like, um, like right are you saying yeah in other words if they don't fit here you find them somewhere to go if they're not a good fit for your particular uh, treatment center you still want to help them so you send them to the right place right that getting to know getting to know your person getting to know your client is I thrive on that you know I thrive on that necessary That's, yep Right. 100%. Yep. Yep. So, so with Delphi, you know, what makes Delphi unique, you know, obviously in your, um, you know, you've worked for a couple of other or another treatment facility, what makes Delphi unique compared to the other treatment? Cause I know you wouldn't go work for a place if you didn't stand by it, right? If you didn't believe in it, you wouldn't be there. I know that. I know that for a fact, you wouldn't do it. No, I can't. That's, if I if I send somebody somewhere, I want to know that they're okay. Uh, I won't be able to sleep at night if they're not. Um, Delphi, it, it's just, it's really like, as much as we're a national company, hold on, Casey, don't bark. Um, sorry, it's my dog. <laughs> he wants he wants to be featured. Um, but no, so Who wouldn't? Delphi is a national program. We're very like small. It's a very, it, we're a very tight team. We have teams all across the nation, like I said, but you know, I can call uh, my coworker in Arizona and ask for help if uh, I get a call from someone else in the area. It's just giving me like much more grasp instead of like having to Google a facility in an area I'm not familiar with, I have access to somebody. And then for our treatment centers, you know, we have an, we, our national standard is an eight to one ratio. So eight clients to one clinician and, and one case managers. And even that's usually like, that's at the maximum. Like usually it's a little bit less than that. So people are actually getting the chance to meet with their, you know, their team more often. And we're constantly trying to keep to that standard that we offer this care. And, you know, we opened a mental health facility and dual diagnosis to better treat those that were calling us because it's, it's a difficult thing to be like, no, we can't help you. You know, we're constantly trying to grow towards that. So, I mean, how can I not, you know, work for a company like this? They're just continuously trying to take care of the needs of the people we serve. Chris, Kimberly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a dream job. You know, I, I have a, not a lengthy resume, but I have a resume and it's, you know, they always hire you and say, that's such a great quality, go for it. And then when push comes to shove and it becomes a heads on beds, you know, uh, it's, it's hard. It's like, I live with morals and values. And I think, the reason that I do the way I do is because it's my kids lived experiences and the places that they've been in and the people that have put them in some of those places, you know, it's what I, I always say to myself, would I, would I be okay with my, my child being here? That's, that's the key. Do I trust this person with my child? Even it might, it's obviously not my child, but that's, what's important to me. And I think, um, you know, it's hard. I think it's shifting though. And I think after COVID, what do you think is going to happen after COVID? Like it's some of these places are going to go by the wayside after the spike. You mean? Yeah. I think I, you're right. I yeah. Think you're right. Yeah. It, there's a lot more uh, niches being formed, you know, um, there's a lot more uh, different, like this place will serve this community. This place will serve this community. And uh, would you agree, Alyssa, that they're kind of getting more, narrow in fragmented yeah well sort of to say that you know if you've got someone with a mental uh, illness that's going to be that's a, and they're that's primary that should be treated separately than the than the substance abuse issue 
they, they, you come in and they go hand in hand, but once you kind of look at it, oh, you, you need to really address the mental illness that was behind substance abuse. Yeah, I mean, my, my experience has been, you know, you have to, you have to do both, but unfortunately, like a lot of centers, like I like that we then went into it because we both, we have both the substance abuse and the mental health, but like we're trained in both now for our facility, because like, that's the one thing that I see in labs is like when, you know, we're dual diagnosis, but we're more specialized in one than the other, because then one will always go, you know, have lesser, you know, taught coping skills or less maintenance introduced, um, and it is, it, it's, there's the niche and it's definitely difficult, you know, with COVID going on, I thought it would be, you know, a much more drastic drop. I mean, I've run into some doctors where they're telling people to not go to treatment. Why? They're, because they're in danger of getting COVID. Okay. Um, and it was like horrifying because, you know, these people are using substances which, in which they could overdose. So like, you know, that was my fear when a few times I had heard that but um you know people are still seeking treatment and i'm really grateful for that because this is a difficult time for people in early recovery or or even just discovering mental illness or trying to finally take care of it because you know there's all these added stress there's less you know there's more isolation there's less connection physically uh, it's a lot for people to learn to do i'm you know i have some experience being okay by myself now but you know it's been years for me, in early recovery, that's the worst time. Yeah. <laughs> you need right. the connection. It's terrifying. So, Alyssa, you say Adelphi is dual diagnosis. Mm-hmm. What is what is what does that look like? So, it's our Vista Pines facility in Florida. So, we don't do it at every facility. Um, so, it just means that we also have trained professionals, a psych nurse on site, so that they can get addressed for both. Our, you know, our classes or our groups are more focused on addressing both as opposed to just stressing one or the other um, because that's really where it, it comes in it's like you can't just have a group where it's like oh this is how you handle your mental health because some of the things you handle with your mental health also have to be for both it's the thing it's like that seesaw if one goes on address the other one's going to act up right right I, we, we have a surprise talk. for you by the way i see <laughs> Uh, oh, there he is. I mean, uh, I think that like, you know, we talk about this all the time and hi, Willie. Um, we talk about this all the time in that, you know, so you get somebody clear minded and you get the substances out and then the mental health creeps back in and, um, the substance abuse is what they've been using to deal with the mental health side of it. And before you know it, they're back, they've relapsed and it's mm-hmm. like, at what point do we really like, you know, we know that there are not very many dual diagnosis programs. They say they're dual, but they're not because they're not addressing it. Well, we, we have a, uh, one of our special guests, one of my, uh, my peeps. Um, I actually, before, <laughs> before we get, before we get to him, Willie, um, Alyssa, you had said that you were in a sober living facility. Home. Kimberly has Brady's Landing Sober Living. Tell us about Sober Living and um, the advantages to it, if you would. Yeah, of course. I'm. Yeah, of course. I'll sell it right away. I love it. I'm like a huge advocate for sober housing. I mean, you know, there's like some. um, Brady's Landing is an amazing one, Um, and unfortunately, not everybody is. But if you find the right sober house, the amount of accountability that you have 
Because as much as I did know how to function in life, I needed to be directed. Like I didn't know that like I should go to bed at a certain time. I'd been living completely, <laughs> ir- literally, I was living <laughs> so irrational right. that like just the basic skills that I knew how to do, but didn't know how yeah. to tell myself or make myself do it. But like the fact that I came home to a bunch of women that were in the same boat as me, all trying to better their lives and rebuild these connections. And we got to like support and learn from each other. Yeah. Like I learned how to handle living with my fiance, who's a mess. Because, <laughs> because you were just over living. Yeah. 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 I'm okay now. Like when he doesn't clean the dishes, I'm like, well, that's fine. No need to take <laughs> my battles. Learn that really early on. Like there's just so many benefits to it. Like, I miss it sometimes. Like I'm still close to a couple of the women that I lived with and we just had such an amazing small community in our own home. And like we encouraged each other to like continue on our recovery journeys and, you know, talked about like what's the benefits to all of it. Like really oddly, or we'd have like, you know, this is not around anymore, which makes me feel like kind of older saying this, but like fear net was a thing on Comcast. What? What is it's, that? I never heard of that. Yeah, so it's like a like a rated D horror movie. Like it was just like really poorly, but we'd watch them like as a group together and like make like our house dinners and like have you know horror eat night or like dance parties at like midnight when we were like oh right. again you know just random random weird things. That, um, is, that is a trip. That is and you're right. You're right, Alyssa. I've got one of the gals said she called her uh, her daughter and said. You will not, you're not going to believe this. I ate vegetables and I, and I did yoga. <laughs> and they were like, yay. <laughs> no, you didn't mom. No, you didn't. No, I did. I did. It's so funny. It's just the little things. She's like, I didn't know when to go to sleep. I didn't know that I had, you know, a routine is so important. Um, and like with the niche thing too, it's like, well, okay. So the older females are going to have a different background, a different, uh, they need to build a different foundation. They need to relate to people who, know about empty nest syndrome, who know about uh, divorce, you know, and sometimes the young ones just don't have that experience. So, you know, that was, I think that was important to give them an option to do that too. So the camaraderie is the same and that's so necessary. Let's have fun. Let's do things. Like so sobriety can be amazing, you know? Oh yeah. Tons of fun. Yes. Uh, uh, Mr. Dr- <laughs> We're going to actually do our show from there. We're going to take our, uh, take our show on the road. And on my birthday. When Andy's not busy. <laughs> I bet uh, he's been trying to zoom call me for like yeah. <laughs> this is the I first know. time I've seen him <laughs> I know I know I'm very isn't very, 50 very... nifty nifty 50 alright uh, let's change it off of me let's go to, let's go to, Will, let's go to Willie okay. good morning everybody how are you good morning so Willie yes Alyssa and Kevin Stevens and I all had um, cross check. We were all in. Um, and so, Get the three people when you hear hello, 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 hello. You would go, Heidi ho. Yeah. So, uh, Willie, mm-hmm. um, you know, Alyssa brought up dual diagnosis. Just, you know, bring that up again. Can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I mean, the buzzword. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the expectation. It's not the exception. You know, I mean, in, in the course I teach the three conundrums, you know, addiction's primary, 
psychic secondary. Anyone that goes through the detox is going to be depression and anxiety post-detox. It's a matter of a degree. And that's where, you know, nutrition and exercise, having a complete physical with the primary care. So you have a baseline to go from, make sure to get the blood work done too. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, prevalent. And the, the big one I see over and over for people that keep going back into detoxes over and over again, I mean... What, what I refer to as the big three, trauma, grief, and abandonment issues going back to family of origin that never get addressed. Yes, you also have depression issues, anxiety issues, bipolar disorder issues, schizoaffective issues, but I mean the big three, you know, trauma, grief, and abandonment that never get addressed, you know, because, you know, when, when patients ask me, well, well, what's normal? It's like, I don't know what's normal for you. I only know what's normal for me. The question to ask yourself, is your normal healthy or unhealthy for you? Because we can come to a consensus about that. I mean, how many times have you been working with somebody and, you know, and you get talking about their family and everything else, and then you start hearing some of the values and beliefs that the family had, and it's no wonder these people were conflicted all the time, you know? It's just crazy. You know, you grow up in a house with chaos and you're hypervigilant, and you go over to a friend's house where it's quiet and you're practically having a panic attack because you're waiting for something to happen, but it doesn't in that house, you know, so... I mean, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing a few smiles. There's identification, I think, around the room with that one, you know. You guys are busy. You're all busy, right, right now, I would say, right? Everybody's busy. Um, Why do you think that is? What's going on right now that um, I know you've been busy, um, Willie, with patience and yeah 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 i mean it's been interesting even in looking in my own neighborhood it was like you know like the first the first two or three weeks you know towards the end of march you know whole families walking and everybody waving to each other and smiling now it's like night of the living dead it's just zombies (laughs) walking by each other they're on their 15th walk of the day you know i mean it's just insane but i think now I i think people people initially were numb and I think now they're starting to feel because I'm getting referral calls left and right you know from from all over the place from Ballpate uh from Bay Ridge from 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 McLean so I mean people are hitting the wall at this point it's just too much just too too much the stress I was on a I was on a zoom call uh this week or Monday night and this family has um a loved one who uh suffers from alcohol right and they're sober but they're depressed. They have anxiety, um, possibly bipolar. Mm-hmm. And um, they decided that they don't want to take their meds anymore. They don't like how they make them feel. You know, so the family, com- completely uneducated, was like mm-hmm. supporting him and going cold turkey. <laughs> We're thinking about letting him go cold turkey off the meds. And I was just like, no. Never a good okay, idea. Yeah. I, but I okay. mean, no. I mean, even with the antidepressants, the antidepressants, you know, they're not addictive, you know, in the sense of you need increasing amounts to get the same effect. But, uh, you know, I've had family members over the years that have tried to come off an antidepressant by just stopping. And you're talking vertigo and pounding headaches. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Shifted medicines in the fall. Yeah. Um, the antidepressants—it was horrible. Uh, Chris, Chris, one of the things that I say to people though too is if you don't, is if you're not going to go with psychopharmeds. I mean, like McLean's has had for for people with bipolar disorder, they've had a taurine amino acid study and omega fish oil study for 30 years now. So you can go, you know, from a homeopathic approach, and even then, sometimes, you know, if the you know if the omega three and the taurine aren't enough, okay, then we add on a little psychopharm, you know, right. but. But, but the, the guest on the show, uh, it was Charles, actually, you know, he he said it took him two years to get balanced. And he started off with eight meds and he's down to three meds. Yeah. And that was really encouraging to the family. Um, the problem was, is whatever meds that this this person was on, mm. 
were making him not feel okay. Like he had, mm. they had finally gotten to the point where the meds, I don't know if they just had all like started working and the, the med list that they were on, mm. was, I don't understand why they would prescribe one med with this particular other med because, because it, it makes you zombie. Yeah, well, the problem I used to see all the time when I worked the inpatient scene and then the partial programs and stuff is like sometimes we get people into, a, into the partial ad arbor, say, in JP in the old days. It would be like they went to, to one psych hospital. They put them on three meds there. You know, two, three months later, they're in another psychiatric hospital. So rather than reviewing those three meds, they add three more meds on top of that. Right. And, and, you know, the next thing you know, you've got somebody on I don't think anybody needs to be on three antidepressants and two mood stabilizers. I mean, no. why don't we just make the kidneys and the liver explode, you know? I right. mean, exactly. Uh, yeah. They come in with like a, a laundry list of medications. Yeah. Why are you Ziploc bag. crazy? Yeah. yeah. You take all these. You really don't. Let's consolidate here, you yeah. know? Yeah. Go. Yeah. Alyssa, what are you saying right now? I completely agree. I mean, I, I've, I, I'm a curious mind. So like I've always, any doctor I've worked with, I typically speak to them about it. And I'm like, why, why is this happening? Like, why do doctors do this? Why, you know, and the last doctor I worked with, I mean, I love uh, Yuasa who works with Delphi at Serenity at Summit. Um, but like my last doctor, he explained it perfectly. He's like, Alyssa, I'm going to address the symptoms. Like, that's why he used to do a full evaluation. Like, he's like, I know that some of these people probably don't need these medications, but without addressing them symptomatically now, they could relapse in the future. So it's like, you have like this basic depression and anxiety. Yeah, you don't treat a disorder, you treat the signs and symptoms of a disorder. Right, so that's what it's happening, is like they're doing this and they don't know, you know, we're not working with like, I mean, like I'm a part of this population, like I'm not, I wasn't the most honest when I came in. So they're also combating with that. Like, why are you on these meds? I don't know if you're being 100% honest. You were more honest with that doctor. Like a lot of them, like the doctor I worked with, for example, he would come, he would have me come into the office and be like, is he doctor shopping, Alyssa? (laughs) Right, right. I was like, man, like, so like I was like his point person. He's like, you're going to come in here and communicate what I want to say because I have like the typical stereotypical doctor's bedside manner. And you're also going to tell me if they're manipulating you or not. Like they're still so, and I loved his and appreciated his transparency, but the same yeah. time, it's alarming that that's like, you know, he's been in the field for 30 years and he's still like, those are the things that are really hard for them to spot because they're trained to address symptoms. Yeah. Like prescribers are trained to address symptoms. So like when people are coming out with like eight, 10 meds, I'm like, I mean, I had a personal friend who was on eight medications, three for the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even understand like how this is effective. You know, really, isn't there a list? Isn't there something that goes to the pharmacies where they they can see what they've already been prescribed? I think that's in Massachusetts, isn't that right? Yeah, they do have the uh, yeah they, they they do have the prescription registry in Massachusetts. But I mean, when you start getting into psychoactive drugs, I mean, un- unless there's direct things that the pharmacists are going, you know, something that pops up, you know, from. Uh, you know, from the manufacturer of said said drug that it doesn't interact, you know, it's not a good mix with such and such, then they're, they're not going to see it. I mean, I know psychiatrists, you know, who really knew mental health but knew nothing about addiction, 
nothing. You know, they'd have somebody coming off of uh, alcohol, and it's like, you know, you know, well, why don't I, you know, uh, prescribe you some Librium to have at home in case you're feeling anxious? And it's like, what are you doing? You know, oh, and stuff. So, I, I, I mean, Harvard Medical School up until up until three years ago, you could go four years of Harvard Medical School, and you were only offered one one course. It was a joint course on mental health and addiction, and it was 20 hours, and you would only sit with actual actual patients for two to three hours out of that. The rest was academic. Yet any primary care can write can write a script for anything psychoactive and the insurers are happy with that because that because then they're not being referred to a specialist where it's going to be a higher cost to the insurer but you know i'm, I'm not an advocate of primary cares doing anything psychopharm you know I'll, I'll get some people say well it's just for depression it's like well did you you know did do they ask the person how long have you been depressed is there a situation in your life that could be the causation of it you know i mean, I mean they don't want to ask them the big question you know have you had any suicidal thoughts be yes you know do you have a plan yes it's like well that that doctor's not playing golf that afternoon i can tell you that because he's going to have to get him inpatient so yeah no I'm, I'm not a believer in primary care prescribing anything psychoactive and I'm getting tired of seeing advertisements on TV. Ask your, pharma, ask your, yeah. Ask your doctor. Yeah. Um, Kimberly, what about you? What are you seeing out there? What, what are some of the things? I know you're getting pretty busy right now. No, you're absolutely right. They're, they're, why are you on all these? And so we try to kind of say, we're not going to deal with any medication, but, but you really take this back to what, a doctor that you trust, a specialist that you trust, because mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, Willie. I think there needs to be more education on this across the board, um, not just for the stigma reduction, but for um, for education for regular, like you said, for the PCP, they need to they need to understand that they need to refer because they don't know exactly yeah, what to do. Yeah, and in the old days, I mean, in the old days, if you had somebody on seven or eight meds and everything was getting muddled, what they would do is they would do what they referred to as a medication holiday. You'd go inpatient and they would strip you off all the meds and then you'd see what you had. You'd okay, see what that's interesting. But that's insur- interesting insurers don't want to do that because then you're talking about a 30-day period of time in order to do that process, and they don't want to pay for 30 days. But, you know, you've got someone on seven or eight. The only way to do it safely is to have them inpatient where they can be monitored around the clock, you know. but Absolutely. Yeah. And they all have shelf lives, too. It takes, like, takes two weeks before you can actually see if it's working. So you've got that whole exactly. time yeah. here, too. Yeah. But when people come in with they're taking Adderall to, to you know, for what to be, um, which kind of can speed you up be normal and then tapering that with with cymbalta as well as um liver you know like you said lithium librium i think uh and then they've got something to go to sleep then they get trazodone to go to sleep yeah. it's like your body yeah it's is a not ham- supposed a to be wheel. like that it's no. a, yeah yeah i mean that's i mean willie you can tell me if i'm wrong but I, that's why i feel like a lot of therapists i've worked with are always like you need to get reevaluated at nine months and 18 months because that's when your chemicals from you know the mental health and everything is starting yeah, to technically change. technically Technically, prescribers are supposed to do a review at least every 12 to 18 months. They're supposed to do a complete review of the medications that a person's on. I rarely see that ever done. I mean, you know, yeah, I, I never hear about it. I think, they're, I think they're quick to pull the trigger. Okay, well, you have this symptom. Okay, symptom, duh, drug. This is what we can use. I mean, I called pre-up when COVID kicked in. I was having a really hard time with anxiety. I have, like... Like when my kids were out ripping and running, anxiety, that kind of like uncontrollable, could not self-regulate, called my primary and she just put me on an anti-anxiety med. And I took it once, once. And it was like, yes, the anxiety was gone, 
but so is my self-awareness. So was my... Yeah, it numbs you. It just... Yeah, I mean, that's the issue. I mean, they're treating signs and symptoms, but what's the situation that's causing the anxiety? What's the situation exactly. that's causing the depression? Right. That's where the... That's where, you know, I mean, the, the prescriber and the therapist, I'm in touch with, with, with the prescribers of my clients and stuff, too, especially if there's been a change made and I'm noting things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there has to be a collaboration. It shouldn't just be, you know, here's a pill, fix me now. That's the American way, it seems like. But, you know, I mean, talk, talk therapy talk therapy with a lot of psychiatrists, not, not a lot, with a few psychiatrists is, is coming back into vogue now. They're seeing that it's not just all about the medication, you know. So you are getting those that are not only doing the prescribing, but they're doing therapy as well. I mean, hey, they're Willie, far and few. Hey, between. Willie. Yeah. Give me a favor. Turn down your audio a little bit. Okay. Because we're getting a lot of. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you that, have such a booming voice. We actually, you can carry it without it. Is that better? Is Much that better? better, Will. Yeah. That's that's the Calabrese in me, you know. It just gets loud, so you know. Uh, Irish Italian mob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So, would you say okay? So, you know, we throw a lot of to- topics out. We talk about a lot of stuff. Let's, you know. If I'm someone out there that needs help, right, whether my family, whether it's someone in my family or I personally need it, what kind of advice can you offer, right, to proceed right now in the COVID? You know, how, what, what would you say would be the course of action right now? And is it I mean, different I, than it would be when there's no COVID? I, th- I think one of the main things would probably be to, to, to be calling the BSAS helpline and stuff, too, because they know where the availabilities are and what's going on. So I think that would be, be a major piece, you know, to call the helpline that BSAS has. BSAS stands for? Really, what's, yeah, what's the oh, uh, Bureau, Bureau of Substance Abuse Services. They have what's called the helpline. I, I don't have the number off my head now, but you can Google it. But it's, uh, yeah, and th- th- they know where all the available beds are. They know who's taking folks who aren't taking folks at the present time. So I would you use that, especially, you know, within uh, Massachusetts and stuff. And then again, you know, I mean, if you, uh, you know, I mean, it's all about networking for us. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm always talking to people in other programs and other therapists to see what's open and what isn't open. So, I mean, you, you know, having a good contact. But the helpline, I think, for that anyone can go to, I think that'd be a primary source. Primary source and just I'm, tell them your situation. And yeah. Your- yeah. Try to help you, uh, Alyssa. What 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 do you think? I'd say what's call call Chris. Call somebody like me. I mean, it's our job to really know what's going on okay. and what's happening in the industry, because it is like like Chris was saying early on. It was like we have that time, and and for example, the two of us at least we put in the dedication to like learn a little bit about the person. So even if like say somebody has an insurance that doesn't accept everyone, but there's a few facilities, but they have trauma surrounding treatment, like you need to be really careful about which ones you're advocating to go to. And BSAS right. is just going to be like, here's what's available. Here's who's taking it. Go. Like they're not going to specify except for the symptom instead of the person. Hmm. And I think that both are really, really important. Yeah. Um, Cause not one is right for. No, you know, it's the same. One size fits all. Not, everyone, not wow. everyone goes on the same recovery path. Like I did 12 step recovery, but that doesn't mean everybody has to. There's tons of pathways until like a new life. Yeah. And the but more you know the person, the better you can you can get get them the help they need. Yeah. Right. And even after like doing I've 
you know, help people with aftercare. So like knowing if I have to send somebody to a facility that sometimes lacks in that, I can prep them and say like, this is what you need to advocate for. This is what you need to do. This is who you need to talk to. Cause like I'm familiar with the case manager in that facility. Like if she struggles and you're not finding anything, call me and I will help you find aftercare such as just like a primary care or an IOP or, you know, those are like the the things sometimes, and you, and that's just what we get. Finding. And I think I think the big thing is is like when we do that, when you get that call from a state, somebody in a state facility who, you know, the case management has a caseload of thirty people, you know, and you get that phone call and you work with the case management and you work with that person, hmm. it's showing that person that somebody actually cares, you know. We're not blaming that case manager. Hey, you know, they can't give no. you that extra time. They have a caseload. But you know what? Give us a call. We'll help you. This is what we want to do. This is what we choose to do. And I think it's just, it's establishing those relationships with the people that you work, you know, you work with um, that, you know, they're going to say, hey, you know what? Call this person. They'll help you. They'll help you from the time that you pick up the phone to, you know, the time that you go in, out, and after. And I mean, Alyssa, I'm sure you know there's nothing like getting that text saying, hey, I'm four months clean today. Thank you so much. Just want to give you an update. Like that makes my day, man. It, it puts me in the best mood. And they always come when you need it the most. Mind you why you do what you do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fuel. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yep. All right. And you guys are very, you know, it's, uh, you know, from what I know, there's a lot of dedicated people working in in the area like little factions right of like really good people that are kind of you're the ringleader and there's and there's some that aren't so you gotta be careful about that too you know yeah, well, listen. Yeah, sure. it's like somebody you trust it's really good to like you know one it's always good if you're a family member to just you know have some find some own supports for you because when you go to a meeting or you know find an online group or whatever's comfortable for you you're going to get introduced to the right people that have been helping other people Um, and that's a good resource because it's like one thing that really startles me is google like it's the first thing i go to it's how i function to find numbers but like when looking for treatment it can get very 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 dangerous and ugly and, and ugly too yeah some of it's appropriate like some of it's actually the facility that you're trying to call but sometimes it's not like you'll search a facility out and three other facilities pop up that don't even have the service you're looking for right. um just because they paid for google that, just because they paid for google adwords or adwords that's just it yeah. that's that's the crazy thing like psychology real quick psychology today Right. So if you have the whatever letters after your name and you can you're a licensed therapist and you have ABC, LW, you know, you can buy you can put your name on psychology today and (laughs) which is fine because you know what that's but when somebody asks me for a psychologist, you know, you can break it down. Okay, they have XYZ for insurance. This is what they're they're suffering from. And you can really break it down and it'll pinpoint. Right. But the kicker is, and this happened, and it upsets me. The kicker is, you go to call that number, and it's the call center for a treatment center that this particular therapist works in. Mm-hmm. And and oh, you know that call geez. center will be like, well, actually, I really think you need treatment, and they'll talk those people into treatment, and that's like, what? Yeah, I know. I know in my own case, I'm, you know, I have a psychology today therapist profile and stuff, and there's a routing number there that goes right to my business phone. 
to my business self. So, so, so I can see how that can happen, though. That they'd have, the, they would have that number going into an agency. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not right. So it's, a, it's Angie's yeah. list. So we need to have like an Angie's list for treatment because you really need to have people that you can trust, right? Yeah, and then they get paid, and then it's it's never going to happen, Andy. I know, but that's I'm why just... the boots on the ground is the best way to do it. That's that's the way. Yeah. Getting local in your local communities in your local AA groups is going to be the best way you can go because you it's can't a networking. trust these. Yeah. It absolutely is. You yeah. cannot you cannot trust the big conglomerates to to not try to screw you. Sorry, not try to get your money at least. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so too to, too many out there. It's it's just viewed as a business. It's a business. Well, yeah, well, part of it is, too, is that it's just that people don't really know how to take it. Like, it's a very difficult thing to navigate mental health and substance abuse treatment. It is so just, there's just so much. And people can get confused so easily. So it's just, that's why, like, you know, Chris and I get hired the way we do is because we have this trained experience. And, like, we do go the extra mile. Like, part of us, like, being who we are is our reputation we care that carries weight like that's why i always say i'm like don't look for the center i mean like if you know exactly where you're gonna go skip the three first ads and go directly to the facility right just as right. don't get distracted go to go right. where you went yeah, yeah. By the ads it says ad right on the left from the teacher yeah, it does. what does. google does i like, pass that right i pass it i don't do it um now that i'm trained I'm like, <laughs> you know but um <laughs> it is. It's just like search out, you know, that's why I think finding that network because as much as people are like, oh, you know, people that are struggling with mental health or substance abuse, are the ones that need the community or ones that need the support, everyone that's attached to that person needs support. Absolutely. Al-Anon is so underutilized. It's oh, well, the friends, and, the friends and family can end up more insane than the person with yeah. the addiction ever thought of being because the yeah. person with the addiction is medicated out, but the family's not medicated <laughs> out against them. They end up fruit loops, absolutely insane a lot of times, you know, if they're not getting help for themselves. And that's one of the biggest right. things. When I get clients, it's like, you know, I want to hear about their families or their relationships. And it's like, yeah, they need to get into treatment. Well, it's not there. You know, I mean, I mean I'll get the family member who, who will say, it's not my issue. It's theirs. It hasn't affected me at all. And it's like, oh, really? Okay. Well, take the ruby slippers. You know, I mean, Good thing amazing. you're not angry. Yeah, you know, it's okay. not my problem. You know. My mom always says, she's like, you're celebrating your anniversary and I have a year and a half more than you in my family support group. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So true. I'm in recovery, too. Yeah. So, yeah. She's like, you I'm are... in recovery from you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. You're, you're the best, my friend. Um, can Hi. Um, hi. hi. Can hi. you give us uh, your contact information if people want to reach out to you? Yeah, of course. It's my name's. I know it says Delphine, but I'm Alyssa Horton. So you can find me pretty much anywhere if it's more comfortable for you on Facebook. My number is 508-450-7036. I'm available 24-7. Um, you too. Whatever is most comfortable. I mean, I used to have people reach out to me snapchat how they found it how i even had a snapchat i, snapchat. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> having that either <laughs> any way that's comfortable for people i have yeah. no life besides the dedication so, that's awesome yeah what about willie andy where willie how can we get in touch with you right uh yeah with me my uh business cell is 781-572-2290 or you can uh, email me at william.drinkwater at umb for university of massachusetts boston dot edu 
That's right, because you're a scholar. Yeah, with Mr. Christian and I, I have to talk to him in a little while. We're, we're starting. We want to get classes. him on. Can we get him on here? Oh, sure. Yeah, we're we're starting up the, the online tonight. Robber. You got to hear his story. It's <laughs> unbelievable. He's the best. But we're starting. We're, we're, we're starting to. Um, he actually began on Monday, but we're doing uh, MRC Massachusetts Rehabilitation Commission. Uh, they they picked us up seventy seven students that we're doing I, tonight. I have a class of fifty uh, at five thirty, and then I have a class of twenty five at uh, seven thirty. So, but uh, yeah, so so we're 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 going at it. But but John's good. He's supposed to be calling me in a couple of minutes because we've had some <laughs> screw ups with Zoom. Yes, Alyssa, I'll be glad to tell him you say hello. And tell, and tell him, <laughs> and tell him Andy, he's somebody you got. You all should. He'd be a good guy to have on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell him we want to have him on. All right. Kimberly, we take us out for today. Absolutely. All right, guys. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on. It was wonderful having you. Willie, as usual, you added, added something bright to our to our show. Thanks. Oh, well, that's because I'm so mellow. You know, I'm just. You... <laughs> no, we love having passionate people because it's, it's good. You know. Hello. <laughs> Willie's right. really passionate. <laughs> Visit us on Facebook. Give yep. our Facebook address, everyone. Uh, the Facebook address is as. At, or no, it's the map uh, 2020. That's it. I always get, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can also check our show notes for the information. Um, and I think that's it. That's our show for the day. You guys, thanks again. Tune we'll in on Friday. See you guys. Love you guys. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.